Peace and greetings, welcome, salutations, everyone. It's Chief Yuya, and this is the Chief Yuya Podcast. We are at episode 77, 77, and we're going to deal with, um, what we're going to cover, we're going to explore, we're going to enjoy, most of all, um, a lesson on numbers, right? So, very basic, and take us back to some very basic things. We're going to look at a little bit of geometry, but primarily we're going to look at numbers. And the reason I'm, I'm doing a segment on this subject because it's the 77th and people like the number seven. <laughs> and when you put two sevens together, it just looks even cooler, right? You know, we, we see seven and a lot of different, um, artistic expressions and some, a lot of times in fashion, even like seven jeans. You know, um, and just different spiritual representations. A lot of people like to utilize the number seven as a, as a moniker for themselves and, and their branding a bit. So, you know, we're going to explore that a little bit and really look at the relationship of numbers to our studies, you know, our advancing studies on awareness because so much of what we are doing so much of what we are learning is based in numbers and sometimes there's very convoluted ways to get to that, you know, or there's very mythical and mystical fairy tale sort of ways to get to a simple understanding of numbers. And because when we're talking about spirituality or self-development or higher awareness, we're talking about science, right? And science ultimately is built upon the foundations of mathematics there's no mathematics or if there was no mathematics, there could be no science, you know? So, um, so much of what we do and what we study and what we learn is going to factor down to understanding that the numbers work. <laughs> you know, it's like looking at a deal. Tell me about the, you could tell me how much you love the place and this and that. I want to buy this house and I could renovate it. It could be a rental property. And uh, what are the numbers, you know, run me the numbers on it. Right. So, so much factors down the numbers. So we're going to do a, um, a brief, well, maybe brief. We'll see how, we'll see how it goes session and just kind of explore that concept a little bit because, uh, our thinking and our, our, our ability to not only see what's going on underneath the surface of certain things that we may encounter, but our ability to put together our own abstract ideas is going to be a base is always going to be based around our ability to navigate our own mind. And what I mean by navigating our own mind, the mind itself is a, is a destination. It's a, it's a sphere. It's a, um, it's a, a realm really, you know, you have dimensions and you have realms and the mind is in a totally different realm. It's not even within the same dimensions that we operate within. Right. So moving or navigating the mental plane it's literally like being in another country and trying to learn the roads, you know, learning how to get around or is it flight? Is it by road? Is it by sea? You know, how exactly do we move around in this space? Teleportation. But nonetheless, there's going to be, um, as a result, there's going to be some level of trail, right? T-R-A-I-L, a trail. So it's the same thing in our life journey. You know, we... Many of us, we try to look at our life as a straight line, right? As much as we can. You know, when we, when we dealing with the, with the, um, Arabic and we look at the word, the word 
um, Tarek or we look at um, Ifa and we look at, um, you know, La Roye, which is the road, or we look at, um, you know, the, the Odu of um, Ejiogbe and we're given those straight lines, those roads, you know, or even Yahawashai saying that I am the truth, the way and the life, you know, speaking about the, the way. And many of us, when we, when we view or the Tao even, right? The Tao, the way. But when we view these different references to a road and, you know, we may try to associate it with our own journey, uh, you know, we would like it to be as straight as possible. That seems like the easiest way to get from here to there. We could just go in a straight line, but it doesn't work that way because there are external forces that are always going to push us from the value of the straight line. So, Whatever we do is going to start, it starts at a dot. We have a dot, right? When you look at the, even the symbology of a circle, um, which represents, uh, the inner person or the spiritual person and that dot inside of it, which we often see as a symbol of Ra, but the dot represents the totality of a person within their own universe. So you have the larger circle, right? And then you have a dot inside of it. And the dot means that um, each person is a representation of, of the creator or the one or the, the highest power or the most high, right? That concept of there being one, you know, with one dot within this circle being representative of the person, right? So that dot we look at and we say, okay, it's going to go straight. And of course, in the beginning, it starts that way. And then it starts to make different sorts of movements. And those movements, we'll look at them and we'll say, okay, they, they form a certain geometry, but that geometry is still based on numbers. It's still based on angles and mathematics. If you're going from point to point, then you have two points, or you might have three points or four points, depending on what your journey looks like, or if there's different curves, those angles can be added. So even your life journey can be broken down mathematically. Now, I know that may sound scary for some because... You know, we're living in, we're living in the age of the, of, of deep learning and machine learning and artificial intelligence. You know, we're, we're learning and, and we're far off, regardless of what you may see in the movies, you know, about the robots taking over. Um, I can tell you from, from someone who does work in that, in that field, we're, we're, we're a good ways off from, um, the machines developing a, a sense of, of sentience, right? But being a way off isn't saying that it's not possible and not going to happen. It's not going to happen right now, <laughs> right? But nonetheless, of course, that may be a scary thought because it's like, well, if you can mathematically plot out the entire journey of my life, then technically that can be turned into a program. Yeah, it can be. It absolutely can. You know, but the reality is what makes you think you're not a program now. I mean, most of the, the concepts of a deity that you may serve or may grasp onto are, if you really look at them, there's some sort of computer program. I'm saying the word computer program, but, you know, you can use whatever word you want because you have certain religious texts that are like manuals like your Bible, your basic instructions before leaving earth, right? And these manuals tell you how these entities are going to act forever. 
until the end of time. This is how they're going to behave, right? So that within itself, it's like a programming manual. Well, if you want something, this is how you pray. This is what you do. You know, this is how you live. This is how you, and this will get you the best results from the universe or from this, this invisible God, even though the book never says that the God is invisible, but you know, we given all kind of weird information, right? Like you can't see, <laughs> like you can't see your creator, even though you're made in its image and its likeness. That's a bit silly. But anyway, that's not what this segment is about. So ultimately we see that um, we're given codes to unlock the powers uh, of the universe that we are sitting in the center of, symbolized by us sitting as that dot, right? And those codes are mathematical, right? So let's, for, ex- for example, if we look at, um, we talk about your God, right? And for many who may be listening, they may be coming from a Christian background or still be um, invested in, in Christianity or or maybe the Bible. You might have grown up with that or, but, you know, I, I don't know. You know, everyone has, everyone has a different story, of course. Um, but many people are familiar with the word God as often depicted in the um, Heliobiblios and and. You know, especially in, in the book of Bereshit or Genesis. And, you know, let God said, and, you know, and God said, and God, you know, a lot of that word. But that word, of course, is a perversion because the word that was used, um, when it was brought into the Hebrew, not necessarily in the Aramaic, but when it was brought into the Hebrew was Elohim. Um, prior to that, you know, it was a similar word, um, but Elohim still does not, it doesn't translate into our concept of a God, right? So that's, that's not even the most accurate translation. Your, your Elohim represents the powerful ones, right? That is, that is, and, and I'm going to get into this coming. I have a whole beautiful, beautiful <laughs> presentation that I'm going to be doing. So it's a full presentation that I'm going to be doing on the creation, right? The real creation, right? And, you know, I wasn't there, so as real as we can get. <laughs> but um, it's not anywhere near what you might think or what you were taught. But, yeah, that, that concept of Elohim, some people would translate it into gods and goddesses, which is not totally accurate either because then there's still this denotion, this, this, um, denotion of, of it being a god, and it's not, and it's not that. And it's certainly not uh, singular. Once you see that im, you're automatically plural. There's no way. So when it says, let us make, you know, then it immediately lets you know that um, we're talking plurality. We're not talking about a singular idea in that sense, right? So um, if you even look at the word Elohim, right, which many will say, if they, you know, translate it, they'll say, oh, that's God, okay? But Elohim has a has a numerical value. You know, sometimes you hear us speak about, especially in Anu, like the the um, numerical value to certain letters and and how that geomantria sort of sort of works and how you apply it. So every even my name, your name, everything has a numerical value. Everything is going to break down to to your numbers, and 
even in in older times, you had Py, Pythagorean, excuse me, Pythagorean uh, societies, and they everything was numbers and the numbers relationship to the planets, you know. So even when you dealt with like your birth, they would take your your uh, your name, what they they called your Christian name. So that would be your first name and your last name. They put it together. There'd be a numerical value to that. And then that would be added with the, the son's position at the time of your birth. And then that was called uh, your key number, K-E-Y, your key number. You know, that was uh, really dealt with the Pythagorean society, you know. Um, so this, and, and they're not the only ones. There's so many. I mean, you have, of course, your Kabbalistic numbers. You have numbers dealt with in Sanskrit. We have the nation of gods and earths. You know, we got the supreme mathematics. You know, this there's numbers all over the place, you know. So most things uh, that we are studying or all things are an attempt to represent a numerical formula through the use of fairy tales, through the use of, of mythology, um, most importantly, through the use of symbol. But the symbols themselves are numbers. It's just sometimes we just don't know how to look at them, right? But let's go back to Elohim, right? So if you look at the even the numerical value of Elohim, I I know it because I, I've, I've you know this is something that I've 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 explored before. But you can you can look it up for yourself as well. You know, you never have to just take my word as God's spell. You know, in fact, I enjoy when um you research because then the information becomes true and living inside of you as well. And that it grows, man. It grows. And now, now I'm really planting. I'm planting a garden now, <laughs> you know, once I'm teaching and then you're taking it on and then studying and taking it, you know, into another place. That's when it's, it's, it becomes a, a whole, um, act of, of mental agriculture. That's the fun part, you know? Um, but anyway, so you look at Elohim, I know that Aleph, you know, we'll look at how it's spelled Aleph, Lamed, Het, Yod, and Mim, or Mim, right? Um, so if you were looking at it in English, uh, we often will see E-L-O-H-I-M, Elohim, but, um, based on its, its Hebraic, um, spelling, it would be like to us, you know, or English speech speakers, it would be more like A L H I M, like Al Him, Al Him. You know, you're not gonna have the vowel, the O. You know, um, but A L H I M, and really the I is the Yod. So that's even sort of of silent, really. But um, so the way it would be spelled is Aleph Lamed Het Yod Mim, or A L H I M. That would be the corresponding. Aleph is to A as Lamed is to L. Ket is to H as Yod is to I as, uh, Mem. That's my last letter. Mem is to, is to the letter M, right? So then you can, um, you can then apply the numbers to that as well, right? So Aleph or the letter A would, um, be the number one. That's the number one. It's your first. That's your first letter in your, whether it's your alpha, um, or aleph bes or your alphabet. It would be the letter, um, A, which would be the number one. Then you have lamed and lamed gives you the, the geometric value of 30, 
but we would factor that down to three when we're doing a numerology, but it gives you the 30. Then you have Chet, which is your H. That gives you a value of five. And then you have Yod, or your I, which is also a number one. And then you have Mem, which is 40, which we would also bring down to four, right? So right there, you know, just the name of your quote-unquote God, whether it be your Christian God or your Hebraic God. And again, that kind of makes no sense unless you're recognizing God as a plural word. So we'd have to say the title of your groups of gods, right? That would be, So it's like me using the word royal. If I use the word royal, I'm not speaking about a specific, I can speak about a specific person or royalty, but I'm, I'm implying a group of people. So if I say, um, royal, in the beginning, royalty said, let us make heavens and the earth. That, that makes sense, right? That doesn't, that doesn't sound crazy. Royalty said, let us make the heavens and the earth. So you recognize it's a group, but over the years of indoctrination, people might tell you it's not a group. It's just one, one invisible. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh because a lot of people have been traumatized by this wrong information, but it's just one invisible sky God that whispers in your ear that you can never see and that is non-physical. <laughs> but that's not what the word said. <laughs> the word said the powerful ones. It didn't say one entity, right? But you gotta ask questions to the right people, I suppose, right? But, um, even that term, Elohim, and it has a numerical value. Just like royalty would also have a numerical value. But just giving you an example of how you can have a word that can reference singular or multiple. Cause I could say I'm royalty. There's still a, there's still a connotation there that I am a part of a group of people who are considered to be royalty, right? Even though I may be using it in a singular sense. But then when you have, we said, let us acknowledge ourselves as royalty. Then it's an, there's obvious that, okay, there's a group of, group of something <laughs> that's saying this. So when you say Elohim, let us say, let us say, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let us, well, that makes sense. Let us, Elohim, multiple or powerful ones. The powerful ones said, let us, right? So real simple. And it may not be as simple for some of you because if you've grown up with years of indoctrination, thinking as God is a singular male, then um it's hard, you know, and I understand it's hard to get that stain out of your brain. That was the whole point, to give you something that you wouldn't be able to get rid of easily or quickly even after hearing the truth. In the last session, I spoke about the subconscious mind versus the conscious mind. This is where that subconscious reactive, you know, spirit kind of comes in and it has to be programmed through drilling and, and so many other things. But that was in the last um, segment, episode 76. You can always go back. to that. But when we look at Elohim, like I said, we have these numerical values. Um, Aleph is one. Lamed is 30. Chet is five, Yod is one, and um, Mim is 40. And those become uh, Aleph one, Lamed three, Het five, Yod one, 
in MIM4 because you take off the, you factor down the, the multiple. So 30 becomes 3, 40 becomes 4. If you add that up, you get the number 14. So your term for God, the you know, the original term that was used in your book, that particular book, that particular translation, because there were other words um, before, but that the value of that word is 14. There's a, there's a numerical value right there. Interesting, right? Because don't, don't the Anu, don't you have this book called the 14 keys? <laughs> that, that, yeah, I, I guess we do have a book called the 14 keys. <laughs> things, things are slowly revealed. It's like a lotus flower slowly opening up, right? So you have that energy of the 14 and when we, when we, when we recognize that power or that value of the word 14, um, we're looking at the, the creative forces, right? That's very important. The creative forces of the 14, right? Because you see that, that 14 throughout other systems, um, as far as creative forces. Now it just so happens that Elohim said, let us, let us make the heavens and the earth. So if we look at it from a simple perspective, we could just be simple, right? We don't have to get complicated. Because if this is a child, a child would say, so were there 14 people who made the heavens and the earth? I could work with that, right? I mean, there are other texts, Hebraic texts, text, excuse me, that tell us that there were 72. You know, some people talk about the 72 Goetia, but... um. I would think if I was a child, you just threw the number 14 in front of my face. I'm going to, I'm going to run with that. And I'm probably going to say, Oh, there were 14 Elohim, right? But, you know, either way, we know that there's a number that was given to us for a reason. You know, that's the part of the ingenious of mathematical systems, mathematically based systems, which all systems should be mathematically based because and the universe is mathematically based. So, but you have in other systems, such as in, in your, um, in the Vedics, you, you're told about in the Sanskrit, the, um, Prahapatis. And there are, so that those 14 Elohim will correlate to your seven Prahapatis, right? And your Prahapatis are your creative forces. So, um, in this, in the, in the Sanskrit, when you look at that word, you have your praha, and praha means uh, that which creates, or the 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 creation, or or you know like something that has the ability of the of the the force or the chi or you know or the prana to create. And then you have pati, and pati means um, ruler or or lord. So when you say praha pati, you're saying um, or praja pati. But if you say Prahapati, you're saying the Lord of creation or the Lords that create or, you know, Lords of creative forces. You, you know, you, you get the drift of what I'm saying. So you have the seven Prahapatis and you have the Shaktis, you know, which is interesting because a lot of times when you use the term Shakti, people just think it's Shiva and Shakti. They don't understand that Shakti is, is and, I, and I did a segment on Shakti years ago. I don't remember. It's, it's old. It's, 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 it's on YouTube somewhere, but, 
Um, I did, uh, was it a month? No, I don't think it was a month. It might have been one or two, um, broadcasts, but I did them on Shiva and Shakti. That's the point I'm saying. And I, and I spoke about the Kundalini and the different, um, symbolism that's associated with Shiva and Shakti and how one is the energy of consciousness and the other one is the energy of power, you know, and how consciousness and power come together in order to create, right? So, um, but the Shakti itself is a title, just like God is a title, just like Elohim is a title. It doesn't actually point to a specific energy or a specific person or a specific evolutionary force. Okay. So when you look at the Prahapratis, you have seven of those, you know, and these, these are forces that were brought forth by, by Brahma. So it, it's, it's kind of denoted that the only thing that sits above the Prahapratis is Brahma. So Brahma brings them forth, but also they each have a, have a consort. So they each have a Shakti, right? And you know, your Shakti energy, that's your ability of, well, that, that's your power, you know, and it's more than one, like I said, more than one Shakti. That's, that's your, your power and your capacity. It's like Oduruwa. It's your, or, or, or like the Ruach, the Ruach Kokadesh. It's that, that feminine capacity to get something done, the power, the energy, right? So each, um, Prahapati has its own Shakti. So how many is that? Fourteen. Because you have seven prahapratis and each prahaprati has a shakti. So that would be seven times two, 14. So Elohim, what's the numerical value? And Elohim are the creator forces. In the beginning, let us make the heaven and earth. Let us make man in our image, right? Let us, let us, let us, let there be light. You know, we could, we, we know the story by now, right? And if you don't, you can always go back and check out the segments that I did. Between, I did one on the, um, Chief Yuya YouTube segment, which was the real Genesis. I think that was the title. And then I, I did another three. It was a whole month series on the Anu Life Global Ministries channel, right? I did do it. So some people don't know that the other three were over there on the other channel. They think I just did one part, but I actually did four parts. But nonetheless, that's if you don't know the story, right? If it doesn't sound familiar. And that's totally okay if you don't know. It's actually good if you don't, to be honest with you, because then that means you can learn it correctly starting now, right? So, yeah, you have the Prahapratis and the Shaktis, that's your 14. You have the Elohim, that's your 14. So we see that there's a significance with um, that word Elohim just, just beyond saying the name, if you will, but that there's actually... Um, a mathematical concept that's being expressed just in the name itself, you know. And, of course, when you have the Prahapratis and you have the Shaktis, the reason that I I brought those up as as the example, because they are are a clear example of masculine and feminine working together. So for creation, you're not going to have just one male sky god. Or some people say there was a goddess, the great mother of creation. No. It's both, you know, it's because you have to have the active and the passive principles. That's what you, you have. Like if you, if you study a lot of the, the E King and those systems and, and Confucius teachings, 
it, whereas we may say more like um, positive and negative, or even male and female, when you start getting into the studies of the yin and yang and, and those different philosophies out of the Orient, they use terms like passive and active. You know, even in your martial sciences, it's push-pull. You know, and sometimes the thing, like you might use your hand to push and then you might use that same hand to pull. So that's a, that's a geometric, um, concept within itself. That one thing that attracts at times will repel at others, like the sun. The sun has, has a, has a magnetic force that will pull other planets into it, but at other times will also repel planets at the same time. You see? Um, but the, 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 the interesting thing, maybe interesting is that all of this, these, these numbers, they also have the potential to create shapes, right? So within our mind, like I said, we talk about our journey. What is your, what does your line look like? Did you go forward in a straight line or did you zigzag? Did you, some people like, it was the song, you got me going in circles. Some people feel like, oh man, I'm just, my life just repeats. I'm just going in circles, 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 circles. So nonetheless, we recognize even the trotting and the walking through of what our life is has a, um, a geometric aspect to it, right? And those, those geometric symbols that even you make as you live your life across its timeline, those also send out a symbol, right? So the other day I was teaching a class and, um, I had placed a symbol. I, I, I wrote a sample. It, it was a sample like problem I had given. Like here's an example of something. And it was, it was related to something that was contractual. So I wrote the symbol that's used in law for defendant, right? And I, you know, I forgot to explain that. So, oh, you know, after someone asked, but the Delta symbol, many of you probably know when you see that symbol of triangle and in, in, inside of a, a contract, um, it represents defendant. Okay. So you might say, why would they use a triangle to represent a defendant? Well, <laughs> a lot of, <laughs> a lot of reasons, but always remember again that there's, there's nothing that's, that's accidental, if you will. So the triangle, um, in many senses represents sorrow. It represents death because the sim, the symbolism of the triangle is that of a river that that's coming to its close, right? So that's, so the peak of the triangle, right? Or the tip, if you will, represents the closing down of a river. So oftentimes the triangle represents humanity and it's, it's used in, you see the triangle used in, in uh, Freemasonry, right? A lot of times you'll see the triangle, um, with the, with the eye inside of it, you know, and that represents knowledge. Or sometimes it could be, rep- it, it could represent even being all knowing. Um, you also often will see the triangle and what's called the Star of David, which is not the Star of David, that there was no such thing that's, you know, there's no such thing as a Star of David. Um, but that's, you know, just something that was used in mysticism. So even when you see so, <laughs> you ain't gonna Kanye me. <laughs> But sometimes when you see, uh, people who are, um, you know, Jayish 
they will wear certain chains that have that star on it, but it's not, it has no root and, and, and base Hebrew religion. I'll say it like that, right? It's a, it's more of a mystic symbol representing, you know, a triangle pointing upwards, which is fire. So that, you know, when you see that triangle going up, that's a symbol of fire, which is one of the reasons why it's a symbol of man or the symbol of spirit, because it's like a, it's like a fire that burns, you know, and when the fire burns, it points upwards towards the heaven and then heaven, excuse me, then you have a fire, a triangle that's pointing down, which is sending down water, you know, so there's a, and then, then you have in that, um, that star you have, you, you, what you're having is you're having two opposites coming together. So you have one that's ascending and one that's descending. So as fire is going up and then you have these two horizontal lines that are created through the symbol, which represent the earth. So fire's going up, water's going down and there's air that exists between them. So, um, and again, it's, but it's still nonetheless the coming together of polar opposites like passive and active, male and female, positive and negative, so forth and so on, right? So it's, it's still that dual, dualism. But, you know, the triangle also represents your journeys over like the river, you know, so it's, it's in many systems, it's considered evil. That's so important. It's considered evil because it's the end of your journey. You know, so like I said, it, it represents the, that, that mouth of a river that comes to a close. That's why you have regions called like the Delta region because it's, it's a, it's character or symbolized by fertility. That, that existence of that river that's there and coming to its close. It's, it's a fertility symbol. So you'll have the Delta region and, and areas like that, that, you know, are river regions. Um, and then of course, like I said, within your alchemical perspectives, you have that fire that's going upwards and that, 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 um, water coming down and the horizontal, which is your land and your air is the other horizontal, right? But what did I say? Evil. <laughs> now, you know, of course, it's the Delta is the fourth letter inside of that Greek alphabet as, as well. But, um, and for them, it represented everything, right? It represented being like, almost like we might view the, the, the circle, if you will. So it was the idea of having all of the elements in one, that Delta, but we know it also represents evil. It represents death. It represents the closing of things. So why would you use that for the symbol of a defendant inside of a courtroom? <laughs> You see what I mean? I, ho I hope some things you see what I mean, and I don't actually have to say everything for you to get it. But yeah, Delta is what we use in the legal world as shorthand for a defendant, which, again, the symbolization there is something that is evil, something that represents death, something that is ending, right? And this is your, your symbolism. So... Even like I said, through our journey, we have the potential to create, like you might create a delta as you travel through life. You might create those three angles. You might create a circle. You might create a square. So in that being, what is being expressed through your journey, right? Um, 
we have the power within our minds to formulate all of these different shapes because within our mental sphere, we are going through our own journey, right? You know, everything starts there. So if you're going to make a triangle in your journey or a circle or a square, you're going to start it in your head first. And these different shapes are what constitute what we know as reality. But these, all of these different shapes have a mathematical value, right? So you, you know, like I said, when, when you are starting out, it's your, your, your the zero, right? And that zero is, is the idea of just being indefinite. It's, it's a, I don't know, because it's everything, but then it's also the smallest particle at the same time. It's the, it's the biggest thing and then it's the smallest thing. And then it, you know, within its circumference, you know, which is that circumference of that circle represents what it perceives. You know, so we all have a circle around us and that's our circumference of perception. That's our width or our circumference, uh, excuse me. That's our width or our circumference of thought. You see what I mean? So then we have this, this point inside of it, which means that now we're, we're at the center of our thoughts. And if our thoughts are creating our reality, <laughs> good or bad, you're at the center of it. You know, that's, so that's why you have to first be accountable to yourself, you know, for the things that happen because you are the, the definitive thought that starts to create the sequence of events that are, that are happening because you're motion. You see, so that dot, it starts a line. That line is a point to point motion. Going here, I'm going here, I'm going here. And each place it's going is creating a shape. So then if you look back on the journey of your life, say, man, I'm, I don't like the shape that I made. Yeah, but you made it because these were the different sequences and the different points that you traveled through in your life. So even though you may have, con- you may have conceived inside of your own psyche, I went in a straight line <laughs> and people who are never accountable for themselves, evil people, people who are like that are evil. They always perceive, I did everything. I did everything you told me. I didn't No, you didn't. There's always a perceived curve. There's always a curve. There's always a force that may be directing on the outside, which direction. And that becomes an orbit. You see, the sun doesn't move in a straight line. The universe doesn't move in a straight line. This galaxy that we're in does not move in a straight line. The earth that we're sitting on doesn't move in a straight line. So how are you moving in a straight line and nothing else is? No, I just went from there and I didn't do nothing else. I did exactly what I was told. I went from there to there. No, you didn't. Nothing goes from there to there. Nothing. Not even the sun goes from there to there. Everything is, is moving around in some form of curve or some form of orbit. And there are different levels to the perversion of that, of that orbit or that path. So just like within our minds, we can create these three dimensional images, right? And these images become our own internal geometry, which is our own internal mathematics, if you will, right? So you may have, um, evolutions from your points. When you're first starting out, you may create a circle. That's the best you can do. <laughs> it's just like learning how to draw. And then as you get, as you get more advanced and, and you start to develop higher awareness within your journey, you find, wait a minute, I just made a sphere. I, I made a sphere. Like I, I did a circle before, but now I can, I can draw 
a multidimensional sphere. I couldn't draw that before, you know, even in, internally in my mind, you see. And then you might say, man, well, at one point I was able to make a triangle, but now I'm making a cone, which is also multidimensional, you see. Or I was just drawing squares inside and creating squares in my life, but now I'm creating cubes, you see. So there's an evolution of how we move and what kind of shapes that we're drawing. If you could imagine, like, on the bottom of your soul, there being a um, piece of a charcoal, black charcoal, that's leaving a line no matter where you travel. And as as you're growing, if you're growing like you should, and you're, you're representing different levels of consciousness, those drawings are going to become more intricate. They're going to come more evolved. But if perhaps you're... Um, you're falling back. What what may have been the beautiful cube would devolve into a square. Or what was the beautiful cone would devolve into a triangle. Or the beautiful um, sphere would devolve into a circle. And then there may be further deviation from that. And now you're looking at um, the oblong shape. You're looking at the, the ellipses shape because there's been an even further decline in your state of consciousness, which also means that your mathematics has changed. Your numerical ratios of which you're kind of moving upon has also changed. You see, because every shape, whether it's a triangle, whether it's a circle, you know, you look at the circle or, or the sun and you're looking at its gravitational center and you see, okay, well, just like, the Elohim, they are the attraction of the universe. You know, they are the force that pulls everything in or, or pushes everything out like the sun. And there's, you know, and we see them as being supreme within the system. Then that means that they would be the one. They would represent that energy of the one, you know, um, whereas you may have a triangular image and Meaning I'm just kind of in my humanity and my humanity would be my, 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 um, my body, my spirit and my soul. It's that triplicity, you know, that, that threefold aspect because you're in a three dimensional space of where you're, you're, you're dealing with thought and you're dealing with, um, theories of relativity and you're dealing with time. You see? So now that Hum, that human reality, its Lord is three. You see, its Lord becomes the three. You know, and there's different ways to, to kind of look at the, the, um, geomantics if, of it, if, if you will. And it, it becomes very interesting when you start to see like how you can even serve a shape. Some people serve diamonds and diamonds are a girl's best friend, right? But, you know, some people serve shapes. Some people serve a cross. They get crosses tattooed on them. They wear gold emblems with the cross on them. They talk about the cross. They got them hanging up all in the house. The cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. The cross is a cube that you unfold. The cross is a cube. You just, it's just an, un, it's just a, uh, unfolded cube. 
So that means that its its numerical headship would be the number four. It'd be the number four. So you're serving the cross, and the cross is is just sim, uh, uh, symbolic of matter. As the as a triangle is symbolic of humanity, the cross is symbolic of matter, and its energy is the number four. You know, so you start to see that certain numbers hold a certain value towards the shapes that they create and certain certain symbols or or ideographs or certain geometry holds the value based on the the quantitative relationships of the numbers that that it creates right and that goes across from again your your um your astrology systems to your divination systems your religious systems, to your geometric systems, even down to chemical systems, H2O. You know, these are all symbols. You know, it, it speaks about a relationship between things that, you know, there's a relationship between fluid and a relationship between volumes of gas, you know, and you're, you're discovering that the relationship between these things and the, and the nature between, you know, that exists, that exists with them, right? So, the numerical aspect, um, we find all over the place, right? Whether in different systems, like I say, it could be Hebraic, right? Pythagorean, um, even Ptolemy had their own, um, had his own, um, uh, numerical system. And the tarot, you have, you know, um, different enumerations of how we look at the tarot, you know, like, for instance, number five, for instance, is, is the master. You know, that, that particular energy that represents religion and represents religion. I mean, I mean, discipline. Then you have, um, seven. That's the chariot of, of a saw. You know, and that kind of represents, um, your intellect and your sensations and your fulfillments. You have, um, the number 10. Number 10 is the nebhu or what, what we call the wheel of fortune. Okay, and the wheel of fortune is that energy of karma or cause and effect of, you know, there's, there's a circulation to all things or a revelation, uh, revolution, excuse me, you know, what, what comes around goes around basically or what goes around comes around, which, whichever, <laughs> either one, you know, whichever way that one goes, you know, so, so there's, there's enumerations in, in so many of these different systems and there's, there's different values that are placed upon these enumerations based on the, the, um, understanding of those, of those systems, right? And this, this is a great thing because it, it really helps us to understand, um, when we're seeing certain words or we're seeing certain energies, what they may represent. In astrology, for instance, you have numerology and different numbers represent something like if you see three, three typically represents growth. It represents riches, or if you have seven, it represents usually creativity, um, art, music, music, poetry, moving through social ladders, um, love. Eight is your your psychic energy. You know, it it will hit you with things like that. So each system and um, each civilization has a way that they're going to relate to their numbers. And relate them to other things, you see. So, you know, um, in some systems, especially when you're dealing with planetary sciences, 
you know, in alchemy, you have your numerical systems and you have like the number eight, for instance, which represents involution, you know, or that's that serpentine energy, right? That number eight. And you notice it looks like two serpents that kind of get together. Um, it connects with, with anything that's sibilant. All right. Now, sibilance is, um, and if you, any of you who do music, you already know what I'm talking about. Sibilance is something we fight <laughs> all the time in, in the world of audio engineering. Um, sibilance is this, and, um, or the hissing sound. You may know it as a hiss, but when you're, when you're doing any kind of audio, whether it's voiceovers or music or whatever, the sibilance, we use different, um, techniques to get rid of that because it's very annoying to the ears. Like if you're hearing somebody sing and, and they're using a lot of, and in the English language has so many S's. It's like, because it's, it's, um, magnified by other things you may put on a vocal and it, and it makes it even more harsh to the ears. So we're constantly fighting sibilance, um, or sibilant sounds. But those sounds represent the serpent, just like the letter eight represents this, represents it. You know, um, uh, same thing, your alchemic, alchemical system, you have the number two and that's the energy of like bowls or anything that's rounded out, you know, different parallels of, of, of different kinds of things, you know, so each system and each sort of modality, if you will, has a way of connecting you with the value of, of a name or the value of a certain um, astronomical realization based upon the shapes and the geometry or the numerology that it provides you. And this is not like a, this is not a super deep science. It may feel like it because um, it's not included sometimes in the basics of our learning, but it is, we just don't know. People receive their names, you know, like for instance, you take someone like Napoleon Bonaparte and you look at Napoleon Bonaparte's name and his first name and his last name add up to the number nine. And nine is um, symbolic of the planet Mars, right? So if anyone's familiar with the energy of the planet Mars, which is your, your, your war planets, you know, um, it represents the warlord, <laughs> you know, whether it be the Roman archetype known as Mars or the Greek archetype known as Ares or Ogun or um, Hercules or um, Geburah or Gabriel or Mikael. You know, these are all your warrior energies and they connect you to that energy of the planet Mars. So you look at somebody's name like Napoleon Bonaparte, and you realize, oh, there's a, there's a lot of war. <laughs> there's a lot of war in that name, you know? So a lot of times, even the, the names that um, someone may receive or, or take on, we may not realize that those names represent a, a numerical energy that then provides another sort of um, revelation towards what's being expressed and then you may look at their journey and say, man, this person's journey, they created this shape. Now, what's the numerology of this particular shape? Just like we spoke about the four, the cross being the four, being the cube or the, the, the triangle or, or again, you know, um, 
some things are simpler, like the zero, right? The zero, like I said, is, is, is the infinity. It's, it's, um, it's boundless, you know? So, but at the same time, same time, when we look at, um, like some of the stories of Brahma, it represents the Brahmanda or what they call the, uh, egg. And, in our, um, Haitian Vudun, we have the egg of the world. And that egg of the world, or which they call in the Brahmanda, the egg of the universe, same thing, um, is the solar system. That's, that's what the zero represents, the entire solar system. So it's the, it's the energy of, um, being able to voyage, being able to travel. But it's also the idea of there being some sort of circumference. So if there's a circumference, then there's, there's a, um, there's a limitation, there's a privation based on that circumference being there. So it's, it's a paradoxical sort of, um, number, the zero, because it's boundless. Then it also reminds you the limitations at the same time. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's a big giant circle. It's a universe, but then it's also so infinitely small. We can't even count it. So it's zero. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's infinity. And then it's at the same time. It's the center point of the atomic unit at the same time. You see that zero. Um, if we go through it. We look at the number one, which some of you may be familiar with. It's a little easier. One is the positive energy. It's, it's activity. It represents how we or things that, that manifest that go forward, you know, um, into the infinite. Um, but it's also the ego. You know, it can also represent unmanifesting. You know, just like it, as it manifests and brings something forward, it could bring something out, you know, because it's the energy of, um, I guess you, you know, of, if you would look at it from a dogmatic point of view, it's the energy of your Lord. You know, um, if it's from a scientific point of view, you would kind of look at it as, how things synthesize, you know, you put many things together and those many things become one thing you see. So that's the energy of, of the number one. Um, it is the fulfillment of the number zero, right? So number one is, is zero coming into fruition. So we, we, we often represent that as zero may be the universe, but one is the sun of the universe. You see that dot, you know, if you will, in the middle, then you have two and two is the energy of confirmation. Why is two the energy of confirmation? Because now when it's two of us, I got a witness. You saw what I did. (laughs) So it's that energy of, of confirmation. But of course, obviously life, life that manifests. Why? Because it's dualism. Now, once we have two, we have the energies of spirit and we have the energy of matter. We have those, those kind of, relationships being able to exist together. We have objectivity and subjectivity. We have reflection. We have, we, we have reflection and then we have, um, introspection or, or we have, um, creation. We have creation coming forth as a, as a product of, of production, you know, things combining together. Um, and then of course we have the existence, the paradoxical energies of being able to manifest something being able to unmanifest something because it's explicit and it's implicit. It's in your face and it's not in your face. That's the number two, right? So that's 
typically connected to the energy of the moon. So whereas the number one would be the sun, the number two would be the moon. And, you know, just like the zero would be the atomic energy, but the universal energy at all times. Um, then you look at number three, which is the triplicity, right? Three is typically, we'll look at that as like, um, life, right? You know, life coming forth, there being some sort of intelligence. Um, most importantly, three classically is looked at as the family, you know, because you have the father, the mother, and the child. So now you have three dimensions or you have uh, what we call the thinker, the thing, and then the thought, right? So it's a triplicity of, of that. Um, and there's still a duality there, but now there's a duality that's reflected inward within the mental planes. So that makes three. So it's duality, but then it's like, it's like the child being the understanding in our supreme mathematics of three. But this child is a product of the duality of the mother and the father or the one and the two. Right. So it's also, you know, um, when we look at that duality reflected within the mental space, what we call that is time and space. That's duality that's reflected within consciousness. Right. So, um, you know, penetration is your number three because it's cutting away, you know, just like a triangle. It, it has a point now. It's like a spearhead. Right. So. That connects it to the planet Mars as well, right? Or it's, sim it's, it's a symbol of Mars, rather, that number three. If you'll notice, you'll see that oftentimes uses a symbol for Mars. We have four, which is your energy of um, the cube. I already gave you that already. That's um, the cross as well, or the idea of there being a partition or some form of classification, some form of order. Um, the number four is like your... Um, your intellect and your consciousness, but being able to look at the difference between what's material and what's spiritual. That's your number four, you know. So there's a um there's a higher energy and then there's a lower energy, but the four will represent the um your ability of discretion and your ability of relativity. We we also call that um in our ancient Sanskrit symbols, you have the swastika. And the swastika is a symbol of the number four, which also represents law. Or the, the, the swastika was called the wheel of law. If you look at it, it looks like something that would spin. You know, it was that wheel of law. So that's your swastika energy, which is your four. And we know who utilized that to, um, do what, do what he did, you know, um, however you feel about that. Right. There's, there's so much to learn in that one and not just take the general opinion. But again, you, you ain't gonna Kanye me. So, um, <laughs> it's cause I know some stuff. <laughs> the truth is going to come out no matter what, you know, and some people are slowly opening up the doors for that truth to come out. And it looks really chaotic and explosive. It looks that way to the untrained eye. But you know what I see when I look at that situation with, um, Mr. West, he was released from all his contracts. You know how difficult that is? Do you know how many people go on? I mean, you had the artist Prince who wrote slave on the side of his face because he couldn't get released from his contract and get his masters back. Mr. West got released from 
all of his contracts with no liability. He had to pay any money. Either. He said, just go. You go your way. We go our way. He's free now. You see how people will have you focused on one thing and you may not realize what's really going on at the same time because of what you just are not aware of, you know, because the guy told the truth, like the truth, like, yeah, these, you know, and I don't know all his things because I don't follow him, but I know what he said about Hebrew, which he probably just knows a little bit, but he knows enough because it's slowly coming out. More and more people are saying it. You know, you got people like Kodak Black, artists. I love, I, I love his music. I like Kodak Black, but he's a Hebrew. Kendrick Lamar has been talking about it. Ice Cube has been talking about it. Um, the list goes on. It's a bunch of people. Buster Rhymes has been talking about it. Um, some of these people have been talking about it for years. I mean, it's more than just Killer Priest. Some people may be familiar with Killer Priest, but there's a lot of them. Shoot, freaking James Ingram and, um, uh, uh, uh the Doobie Brothers. You know, dude with the voice like that. I can't remember. Michael McDonald did the song, Y'all Gonna Be There. Y'all Mo' Be There. Y'all Mo' Be There. It's Y'all. Y'all. That's what they were saying. Y'all's gonna be there. That's, that's what the song, and that's not like secret language or anything like that. That's what they were really saying the song. Y'all Mo' Be There. So, I mean, it's going to come out, man. And, and of course, there are people who are fighting to keep that name, the holy names away. You can't let them know what the holy names are because then they're going to start doing the math, figuring some things out. And then once we know how we are, who we are, and that's all of us on the planet. Then we become more aware of what we should do, shouldn't do, and how we should treat each other and what things should be totally unacceptable and how we deal with each other. So I'm going to give, let me see, I, what did I leave y'all? Number four, I think? I'm going to give you number five. My theme music is coming on now. We're getting ready to close now. And then I'll give you the rest of the numbers next podcast. So like five, yeah, I think I did, I said four, right? Five would be the energy of expansion. And that's kind of the energy of comprehension. That's the energy of um, reproduction. Is five, but most importantly, like reproducing yourself into the material world, not just like a spiritual reproduction. Um, that's that energy of the number five. And then you have, um, five also being fatherhood. That's the energy of, of, of fatherhood pushing yourself through reward or, or punishment into the world. So five is always represented by the pomegranate. And the reason why it's often represented as the pomegranate, because the pomegranate represents the seed. Okay. That's very important. Cause even if you look at like the, the garden of God story, you've often heard me say that it wouldn't have been an apple in that region. It would have probably been a pomegranate. Right. But it, that five is the energy of multiplication. Okay. And it's represented by, um, or it's a symbol of the planet Jupiter. Okay, so I'm going to leave you with that, right? It's just so much more to get into. I only got up to five numbers, I think. Um, <laughs> I probably have to go back and listen. But um, I could take you further. I could take you up to them because once you get to even past one through 10, then 12 is a number, 13, 14, 15, 16, 40 is a, is a, has its own energy. They all create their own geometric geometric pattern. You know, that's the interesting part about it. They all create their own patterns. 
And we're all creating, I'm creating a pattern right now. Maybe I was supposed to do something else and I'm doing this. You know, um, even right now, you know, we're all creating a shape and a pattern and that pattern has a numerical value to it. So those who are the creators, Elohim or the Praha Prata, they created the pattern that produced the number 14. You see, the Prahaprati and, and, and their Shakti, they gave us 14. The Elohim, they produced the 14. That was their shape as creators. So you, you get, you get to understand, oh, so the energy or the power of creation is, is secreted inside of that number 14. Or what is 14? Well, you take one plus four and one plus four gives you five. What did I tell you before? Well, five is fatherhood. It's the seed. It's the energy of pushing force through multiplication or, or increase. It's pushing force increase, increase or understanding. It's five. Pushing forth and sending out your understanding into the material world. The material world. All right. So I'm going to leave you with that. This has been Chief Yuya. Um, I enjoyed it. Willfully you did as well. And you got something that you can work with and, um, you know, you, I, I will that you come back and we'll go over some more shapes. You know, <laughs> this, this, this segment was represented by the letter D for Delta. I know what you're thinking. It knows for Delta, the letter D <laughs> for Delta. Okay. And then, um, and let's see what shape. I think Sesame Street always did a shape and a number. It was represented by the letter D and by the number seven. Uh, but we didn't get to seven yet. We'll get to seven on the next one, even though this was the 77th and I wanted to do the number seven, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it for the 78th. All right. So I'll see you then, everyone. Be well. Thank you for listening. I just want to remind you all that you can now send questions for the up and coming season of the Chief Yuya podcast to questions at chiefyuya.com. That's Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S at Chief yuya.com c-h-i-e-f-y-u-y-a.com also if you'd like to contribute in any way to our red rap initiative for displaced women head over to anulifeglobal.org forward slash red rap that's a-n-u-l-i-f-e-g-l-o-b-a-l dot o-r-g forward slash R-E-D-W-R-A-P. If you'd like to join my ministry, Anu Life Global, go to anulifeglobal.org, A-N-U-L-I-F-E-G-L-O-B-A-L.org, and click the join link. You may get sponsored by me or one of our other uh, members. If you find that these podcasts have helped you in any way, please leave a review on iTunes. If my books have helped you in any way, please leave a review on Amazon. These podcasts, along with my my music, can be found on all of the streaming platforms. Thank you, and keep putting the work in.